Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest, man, we're honored that you're with us, whether you're watching online or you're in here. Uh, we've had so many new guests, families come and join us and uh, kind of be a part of our spiritual family. And I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody shout three times. Here's why, as I know, in your new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So please come back and check us out. Hopefully, we can be your spiritual family. If you are watching online, do me a favor like, comment, share, leave a review, be interactive in the chat. It helps us get through some of those uh, algorithms that might not get us through to some people's pages. It honestly helps you get the message of Jesus out. If you're in here, um, you can also um, check in on Facebook or social media somewhere. I know y'all are on it anyway. And so just go ahead and let somebody know you're at church and uh, you're about to hear uh, just the message message of the gospel, and so, um, and we're happy that you're here. Uh, we are continuing a series uh, uh, that we, we kind of started last week called Soil, and really what we were talking about, it's really a, a commentary on Jesus's parable, or his kind of sermon, his teaching in Luke chapter 8, and in Luke chapter 8, he uses this kind of parable of soil to describe the nature of different people's hearts, because you know this, and I know this, that you can go into a message, uh, it's kind of one of the cool things about being a pastor is that I can speak, and I can talk to each and every one of you, and each and every one of you have a different take on what you heard. And the reason that, that it is, it's all the same seed. Look, it's all come from the same Bible, but you guys all heard it in a different way because y'all, everybody's heart's a little different. And so Jesus was speaking about four conditions of the heart, and they're not maybe the exhaustive list, but I think they're four pretty prominent uh, heart types inside of our life. And so today, we're going to talk about the second one. Last week, we talked about the hardened heart, which if you didn't go back and check out last week, I highly encourage you, please go back. It's on our YouTube. We're on every channel you can get information. I mean, we're on Spotify. We're on our podcast is on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. I mean, we're everywhere. And so um, just go check it out. I'm telling you, the pastor who preached last week, he tried really hard. So just, just help him out. I think it was pretty good. And so just go back and check it out. It's awesome. And then uh, we talked about the hardened heart. But this week, Jesus continues about the second condition. But last week, we talked about this one principle. And I think this is the principle Jesus was getting to. Was that the condition of our heart, right, affects... I will receive God's word, like the condition of it, what it's like, what our heart is, affects really the, 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 the effect of the, the, the word inside of our lives. And we can see that because you can't bring fruit if the seed didn't go in to create the root, right? That's kind of the goal. And so Jesus is saying we got to pay attention. So this week, we're going to get into the second condition, the second condition of the heart. It's in Luke chapter 8, verse 6. We'll put it up on the screens, or it's on our version Bible app notes, or if you brought your Bible, Luke chapter 8, verse 6. It says, other seed fell among rocks. Everybody say rocks. That's important. We're going to come back to that. It said it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Now, people, you and I would be sitting there going, what's going on? He's telling a story. Now he's talking about rocks and dirt and seed. We don't understand. So Jesus goes on to explain it in verse 13. And he says, these seeds are of the, on, the, on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. Now, that's interesting. Like, I, I love that Jesus highlights that you and I can sometimes receive the message of good of the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ with joy. Joy is an emotion, so he's highlighting that it's emotional sometimes when you get connected with God. So one of the things I love about worship is that when you come in here, music is one of the best ways to connect you emotionally. Never let anybody cheapen your relationship with God by saying it doesn't need to be emotional. It can and it should. God uses your emotions because he gave you your emotions. Now, it shouldn't only be emotional because how many of y'all know those who live only by your emotions, right? You're going to swing heavy ups and downs because our emotions go up and down all the time. But it's okay to start off with coming into a worship service and crying in service. 
It's okay to be emotionally connected. I think that's what the beautiful thing about music does is it breaks down even our, our mind and our moment where we're kind of trying to figure out, God, I don't understand all the things are going on. And God can tap into the emotional part of you and say, it doesn't matter. I'm bigger than your situation. So like, I'm telling you, God can use emotion. And so joy, receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, now this is important. She says they started off good. Everything was going great, but they didn't go deep. They believe for a while, then they fall away and they face temptation. Now, some pastors would preach this to me like, we need to, that's why we go into Revelation every time you come up in church and you need to go deep. You can't have a small group unless you have 15 chapters read and you make sure you know the Greek and the Hebrew and you make sure you know what's going on, what's going on. It's like, no, 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 that's not what he was saying. What he was saying was he, he wasn't even highlighting the depth. What he was highlighting was the rock that gets in the way. Of the death. That's what we're gonna talk about today. So if you're having your notes or if you're taking notes, which you should take notes, at least take out your phone and pretend like you're taking notes instead of playing doodle jump or whatever. So let's let's just pretend. But if you're taking notes, the note the title of my message is Between a Rock and a Hard Place. Between a rock and a hard place. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, today that you're gonna speak to us. I'm always humbled that that I get to come and preach. I'm excited for this message today. This 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 message has been stirring in my heart. For, for a long time. And, and I pray that, God, your, your word would go forth. and Lord, let me get out of the way. And let your Holy Spirit move and work. I pray for just a, a fresh anointing and touch for your people today, God. Let that be true in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, confession. I'm not a patient person. Anybody else want to join me in the non-patient person pile? Okay, great. Uh, I'm just not. I'm not a patient person. I lack patience. I know that I'm supposed to be patient as a Christian. I get it. It's in the Bible. God told me to. Trust me. I know where it is. I've preached on it. I think I've preached on it recently here about being a patient person, but I struggle on a regular basis from being patient. Here's one of the things I struggle with most, maybe most in my life. I really know. And here's how you know when you struggle with it is if it gets you fired up. Right? So if you get you kind of like fired up and you're like, how many of y'all have ever had that moment where you're like, I feel like I'm really close to God. And then something happens and you realize you're not that close to God. Anybody else? So I'm driving on the freeway here on 1604, right? Y'all know 1604? Now if you're watching online and you're in some other part, we have hundreds of people, I mean honestly all over the world, we have people, we can track it. And so you might be in England right now. We've had people watching England. We have people watching different parts of the world. But like, uh, if you don't know, like San Antonio has a big giant freeway loop and on the outside of the freeway loop it's called 1604. And, and I was sitting on the freeway in 1604. And that's a great statement because I said sitting because that's what I was doing. I was not moving. And I don't understand. I not figured it out how there could be a lane, a, 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 a pathway with no stop signs, <laughs> no stoplights, nothing in the way. There's no speed bumps. And I could be sitting in traffic at a dead stop that makes no sense to me. And so I'll be sitting there and I'll be looking at the person in front and I judge them immediately because they're in, here's why, they're in my way. I'm trying to get someplace, they're in my way. If they weren't there to me, I feel like I'd be able to get to where I need to get to. Does anybody else feel me other than that? I just feel like I just had like an emotional moment, like I just had counseling, like I got out of my spirit, like thank God, like it's good, okay, good. Jesus, forgive me for, for not, and I scream, and I yell. I don't yell at people because I realize I'm a pastor in the city, but I yell, I scream, I do, I do. My, why are you in my way? You know, I do stuff like that. 
it's not good. I'm sorry. Forgive me. So I realize I got someplace to go. Can't get there. Something's in my way. Jesus was talking about the spiritually for us that, that like God has a place for it. I think we can universally say, even if you're not a Christian, maybe you kind of sort of believe in God. I think you universally say that God has a place for us. Like God wants us to get to some place. We might disagree on where that is. God often disagrees with me on where I should be going because I know where I should be going. And God reminds me regularly, Aaron, actually, you don't know where you should be going. So I, I think I disagree. But, but I think we can all agree God has a place for us. God has some place we want to get to. He wants us to get to some. And now notice, there are some things that just get in my way of getting to the place God wants me to get to. Jesus knew that. He called them rocks. That's all he did. He just used the idea of a rock. He said there's a rock. Like the, like the rock keeps the root from going deep. There are things that come in our life that keep us from going deep with God. And as a pastor, I have a unique perspective because most of my conversations are spiritual in nature with people in our church or people who talk to me. They are concerned with their relationship with God. And so I see some things that get in their way. And sometimes they don't, they're not things that they would think. The first one I see a lot is uh, relationships. Like there are, you need to know this, that if you have an unresolved relationship in your life, like a relational issue in your life, it will incredibly hinder your ability to go deep with God. Like, I've noticed some people are, they'll, 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 we think, we know this to be true. And I could go through scripture after scripture after Bible, and I could, like, I can just keep shooting Bible darts at you all day long and saying, it is so clear in the scriptures that you cannot hang around with a bunch of knuckleheads and produce good things. So I can give you the famous proverb about, like, walk with wise and you will become wise. How many of y'all have heard that, like, a billion times, right? You don't have to be a Christian to know that one because you know that to be true. Only problem is we don't live like that. You and I think that we can surround ourselves with the worst of the world, and you know who they are. You never be like, well, pastor, like, okay, is this friend bad? Like, I've had somebody do that one time. Like, hey, I have a list of my friends. Like, here's who they are, and here's what they do. And then, like, could you tell me which one I need to get rid of? Like, no, you know. You know. You ever do that? You're like, you know. Like, you know it's that girl, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, you know it's that dude. Like, he just, you know, you know. But you think you're the exception to the rule? I believe that about my life. Like, I believe I'm the exception to every rule inside of the Bible. I'm like, well, look, I know it says to be nice to my wife all the time and love her like Christ loved the church. But seriously, like, God, I think I get an exception card. I'm a pastor. Can I use that? Yeah, he says that. He's like, no. No! And oftentimes it's from my wife. No, you can't use that. But, like, we just think we're the exception of the rule. Relationships are important. You need, you and I need to know this. You cannot go deep with God surrounding yourself with shallow people. That'll preach. Tweet that. Second thing is this. So relationship is the first rock. Second rock is circumstance, man. Like, these are some circumstances. There's some stuff that happens in the world. Have you ever had something happen to you, and all of a sudden you used to believe in God, and you used to love God? And then someone who talked about God in God's name offended you. And what's funny about people with the church, you, we only do this with the church, by the way. We have a bad experience with the church, and then you totally write God off. And I'm not, you never, here's what, you, what's so funny to me is you never have like a bad meal and say, I'm never eating again.
So people will be offended coming into our church and they always start off with, well, my last church did. It doesn't matter. And I have to spend time unpacking the circumstance of your offense. And here's why it matters. In order to go deep with God, you have to trust him. But if you're offended by people, and you can't trust people you can see, it's really hard to trust a God you can't. It's, 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 like, it's not helpful for me to say, trust God, and not help you get over the offense of people you can see right now. Like, if you want to go deep, there's some of you in here, and you're like, this is for me. Oh, he's talking about me. He's talking about me. Move on. What's point three? What's point? Have you ever had that? You're like, well, listen to my message. You're like, just move on. Just keep going. I heard you. God, I heard you. Just keep going. I don't, I'm tired of it. I'm not going to get over it. Like, you need to let it go. And I, at some point, they're like, people, you know, I found this funny. I was talking to my counselor about this. And I was like, upset. And I thought he was going to give me some deep revelation. And he was like, well, dude, you just need to get over that. And I was like, yeah, but, like, what does God say? He says, you need to get over that. Okay. But, like, what, like, you went to, like, school for, like, psychology and stuff. <laughs> like, what's the deeper level of that? He goes, here's the deeper level. You, you need to get over that. I was like, okay. Number three, sin. Now, here's what's interesting about our church. I am what I would call, and I'd like to classify our church as a life-giving church. A life-giving preacher. I try to bring you life. My goal is to build you up, not tear you down. Um, I believe that both can happen. You can be convicted by the Holy Spirit, the things that you need to do, at the same time being encouraged in the good things of God. I don't think they need to be mutually exclusive, so I'm just saying. I believe, but because of that, I think sometimes you can, you probably notice, like, I'm just not that, like, turn or burn preacher. I don't, turn or burn. I don't need to convince you that hell is hot, right? Like, <laughs> like I felt like my pastor all the time growing up, they're, like, they're trying to prove to us that like hell's a really bad place. Like, no, I believe you. I really, I believe you. I don't want to go there. That sounds terrible. And I should really deal with the sin in my life. So I never taught, I, I, here's what I don't do. I made a commitment to you to not talk about sin in a way to guilt you into the presence of God. I think guilt is a bad, is, is a bad motivator for you in a relationship. Because God doesn't want you to come to him just because you're afraid. But I will say this, that there are some people who struggle in their deepness with God because of unresolved sin. And you know what it is. We don't need to go through the categories of sin. Right. Everybody close your eyes. And when I say this category, you raise your hand. No one sees it. God sees it. He already knows. I don't need to know it for you to deal with it. You already know it to deal with it. He knows. He, all the parties involved are, in, are no. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I always tell people, like, when you process, this is free. This wasn't even the first service. This is maybe just, the Lord just wants somebody in here to hear this. When you process, you always process up. So, like, here's, here's the worst thing you can do. Process to someone who cannot help you. That's called gossip. So, like, people will get an offense, and they'll go down to someone who can't help you or parallel with someone who can't help you, and all you're doing is talking about that person. Yeah. Or you can process up to someone who can help you, a counselor, a pastor, a leader, somebody who can actually help you process your emotions, not, not your sister who piles on to the, yeah, you should hate them. <laughs> yeah, they're crazy. I hate them too. 
Let's make a Facebook post about it. Which is what everybody does. And Christians, you do it too. Hey, pray for this person. Didn't pray for them. All right, anyway. So, okay. But, you know, the, for the early church fathers were really good about sin. You want to know why? Here, there was a really big message that they had. They, they, they said, crucify it. Crucify your flesh. They use violent, destructive language with our sin. They said, don't play with it. Stop messing with it. And some of us, we don't get rid of it. We just put it on the sideline. Just in case this God thing don't work out. We, we, can't, we put it in the cupboard like an Oreo. You're trying to be on a diet, and you keep your Oreos just in case. You just keep them in the, cup, the cupboard. And it don't, whatever it is, the chips ahoy, ice cream, sugar. All the things that the dietitians say to stay away from, which I'm like, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I like me some Doritos. You know what I'm saying? And so, but like, you're, 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 what you do is, what we do is we put it in the cupboard, and we keep it around. And they say, you better kill that thing. You better get that out of your life. You know, get sin. This is for somebody. Stop messing around with that. Stop messing with it. Otherwise, it's going to keep you from going, going deep with God. So I was like, put my message together this week. And I felt like I got those points early. It was like early. I'm like, this is good. I'm going to preach. God, that's good for me. I need all this. Which, by the way, all my messages are what God's telling me. So I just share them with you. This is like my devotional time. So just heads up. And so, like, I'm like, man, I got to deal with all this stuff. You know, we all sin. We all fall short. We all have circumstances. We all, come on, like, we all have these issues, right? We're all trying. And so, like, okay, God, what do I got to do? Okay, 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 okay. And then he said, I need you to tell them something. Now, I don't get this a lot from God. I really don't. But I felt like God shared with me. He said, I I need you to help. help." This is God saying, I need you to help my people. By the way, this is God's church. You're God's people. You're not my people. This is not my church. I'm a chief steward of this church, which just means I take all the blame for all the things that go wrong. So he said, talk to my people. Tell my people this. Tell them what to do after. He said, tell them what to do when, when they were the plant that got wilted and died because of lack of moisture. Anybody ever feel burnt out recently? Anybody feel like, I don't know what I'm going to do? I mean, you're in the, the dry season. Anybody ever say that? I hear that a lot. I'm dead. Pastor, I feel dry. I'm in the dry season. Because I've heard people say, like, Pastor, that was a good message. I wish I heard that five years ago. Ten years ago. Five minutes ago. Like, what do I do now? Now I'm, now I'm burned. If I would have known that about the rocks, then I could have maybe gone deep. But since I didn't, now I'm burned. That message means nothing to me. And he said, pa- he said Aaron, teach my people about what to do. When things don't go right, explain it like this. Um, Pulling out the whiteboard today, y'all. A lot of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you started right here. You start with, you know, where, and maybe all of us have a different story. Maybe you came to God with someone who prayed with you in a Starbucks coffee shop. Maybe it was uh, at a youth camp. Maybe you came into a life-giving church and gave your life to Christ. Whatever it is, we all start where we, we, we had a moment with God, and we, 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 we do what the Bible says, what Jesus says. We receive it with joy, and boom, come on. Life just starts being so good. 
It's like every time you turned on the radio and spot your 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 song was playing on the radio. Come on, y'all. It was your song. And you came into church and Pastor Aaron was like, man, that message was for me. Every single time you came in, come on, Pastor Aaron was speaking to me. And then like I found a good church and everything was going. My husband is starting to listen. My husband's trying to listen. Now you're finally listening to me. Now, thank God. My wife, she starts cooking again. Thank you, Jesus. She starts saying that I'm good looking and, and I, I'm telling you everything's going good. And life is God is speaking to me. I went to the mall, and now I got the parking spot for Jesus. Princess parking, hello. And I'm just living my life, and God is doing good, and everything's going right. All my prayers are being answered, and then I just notice that life seems to keep going. It doesn't stop. It starts to level off. And then the, and then he didn't answer your prayer. And, and you didn't get that parking spot. And Pastor Aaron's sermon was just okay. And that music was not as good as it was the first time. And, and, and now you prayed for a grandma, and she still passed away. And your kids are now crazy. And, and homeboy, who used to be the man in the hunk of your dreams, can't brush his teeth more than one time a day, one time a week, one time a month, one time a year. And now you're just you're stuck. And you're wilted. And you're burned out. And what's funny is most people are like, I thought that was just me. No, that's everybody. And you get to a place what most people call a crisis of belief. Crisis of faith. And it seems like things are going down, down down. And you start praying different prayers. You start thinking about God a little differently. Enter a character named Habakkuk. Habakkuk was an interesting character. He's a minor prophet in the Bible, which just means he wrote a very small book. The only difference between a minor prophet and a major prophet is the length of their book, by the way. So he wrote a small book, and he was an interesting prophet. He was around during the nation of Judah when it was in utter turmoil. Destruction, violence. The children, the God's people were suffering. Incredible injustice. Pain, hurt. And, and, and Habakkuk was a prophet that was a little unique because most prophets would speak to the people on behalf of God. Habakkuk spoke to God on behalf of the people. So he would be their, like, go-to-er, you know, for, like, things, you know, so he was like, if something was going on, he'd be like, Habakkuk, can you go talk to God? He ain't listening. Go ahead, go do your thing, which a lot of times I feel like some people do that with me. They're like, you got a red phone to God, Pastor, go ahead. Pray for me. You know, I'm like, well, you, you, your prayers are no more powerful than my prayer. Like, like, I don't have a, a special button, you know, and if they gave me a pastor card, I don't know where it is. I lost it, so it's gone, but they go to Habakkuk for things, and Habakkuk goes, he starts to look, and he goes, this doesn't make any sense. The God I know seems to not be doing the things that I thought he would do. And he has this prayer. It's kind of an interesting prayer. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 3, his prayer is my prayer. It's been my prayer this year. And it's been my prayer through a lot of my life. He says this, he says, why do you look, 
Why do you make me look at injustice? God, I can relate to him. Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and conflict abounds, therefore the law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. He not only says, why are you making me, God, look at the terribleness of this world? Why are you allowing all this to happen? He actually proclaims the fact that you have no power, God, to fix it anyway. Because apparently, you're falling asleep on the job. And God, you were supposed to be good. And this is all bad. I did what I was supposed to do for you, God. And it was good for a season, but now that job didn't, they didn't hire me. And my, my boyfriend cheated on me. He called himself a Christian. And my wife left me. She said, for better or for worse. And you said I was supposed to be blessed coming in and coming out. And there's no money in my bank account, God. It's called bankruptcy. God, this doesn't make sense. Now, I can relate to that prayer. And, and, and in this season, we have typically the world will tell you two options. They typically like, so it depends on where you come from. So my, my background used to say, you just ignore it. Pretend like it ain't happening. Fake it till you make it. It's why when you were growing up in church, you couldn't walk in. And if you were having a bad day and somebody asked you how you're doing, you said blessed and highly favored no matter what. Even though you weren't blessed or highly favored. It was the opposite of that. I'm unblessed and lowerly favored. I don't know. What's the opposite of that? We didn't have a famous statement for that one. No one walked around and said when people said, how are you doing? And we didn't go, this is terrible. Life sucks. There's no Christianese for that. So we ignored it and we pretended like it wouldn't happen. What you did was you pretended like this wasn't happening. You pretended like you were up here. Put your head in the sand. Or, or some people come from the back where you just be like, well, this didn't work at all. God doesn't really exist. I don't, I'm actually going to go back over here because all this stuff was just mumbo jumbo and it didn't really work. So your two options were ignore or walk away. And Habakkuk, what my favorite thing about Habakkuk is, is he gives us this incredible third option. And it's found in, in chapter 1, verse 13. See if you can pick it up. This is what he does, okay? This is crazy. This is Bible. He says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. <laughs> this is crazy. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Then why do you tolerate the treacherous? Do you see it? At one point, he's wrestling with what he sees, with what he believes. So God, I, I know you're good. But this isn't good. I know you can do it, but you aren't doing it. You have the power, but it seems like you're powerless. Come on, is this anybody else's prayer? And he gives us the third option. You want to know what it was? It's the third option. Is you wrestle. So you don't pretend like it's not happening. And when God has a moment with you, you don't start off with Heavenly Father, thy life is in thy hands. 
thou art holy. Like sometimes you can start off with the prayer like, hello. I'm standing here and you're supposed to care about me, God. And it seems like you don't. I think God appreciates that prayer more than the holy prayer of you sounding like you're prim and proper. So that God can somehow accept your prayer. God accepts you. You've already been accepted. So here's what I've noticed about my kids. There's nothing they can do. I told my son this the other day. I have to remind them regularly. Hey, by the way, just remember, there's nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. He goes, nothing? I said, nothing. I said, I'll love you till you're dead. I said, I'll love you forever. And you just see his backbone. Just their ki- My kids just go, Whew. they walk around differently. They come to daddy differently. So, so, so he walks in to the throne with God, and he says, I got to wrestle with this, God, because this don't make no sense. You don't make no sense. I thought you were good. But this isn't good. About 13 years ago, um, my life changed. I had two children at once. Two for the price of one. Double for your trouble. Felt like God just blessed me. Never known what it's like to have one. Heard it's amazing. <laughs> Seen it in a movie one time. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Like when you can have two parents on, like covering one kid. Come on. Like in football, you win the game when you're double, double teaming, right? You're like, all right, I, somebody can sleep. Somebody doesn't have to sleep. But we started out the gate just with two. And my wife, when she had them, you know, she's, you saw her. She's small. And so to have two babies, she kept them in there. She was my hero, man. She kept them in there as long as she could. And um, they came out premature. And um, I remember they opened her up. She had to have emergency C-section. Riley came out perfectly healthy, but he was tiny. My, my kids could fit in my hand. I remember I could hold him like that. And uh, he came out. He was moving, crying. And Kellen comes out 30 seconds later, but he's completely blue. He was not breathing. He couldn't, uh, he couldn't uh, move. He had no life in him. And it, it, that'll scare you as a dad. Maybe the scariest thing in the world when you're looking at your child who's lifeless and there's emergency personnel around them trying to give and resuscitate them. And I remember that was the first time, boom, I felt a real crisis of belief. Because I'm like, God, I work for you. I was a pastor at the time. I'm like, this don't make no sense. Like, if you're supposed to cover anybody, shouldn't it be me? Shouldn't it be me trying to help push the message of Jesus? I love you. I've given my life for you. I've tried to serve you. God's done everything right. Everything should be good. And, and this, this, like this, has anybody else had that conversation with God? This? And, and so they resuscitated him, and they had to be in the NICU for two weeks. They become one-year-old kids, and I remember out of nowhere, both of my children, every time they were one, when they were one, every time they cried, they had seizures. 
and so bad that they would seize up and they would curl into a ball like, like a roly-poly. They would literally curl. I'd be holding them. For whatever reason, something would scare them. They'd scream. One scream, curl. And they would stop breathing, and their eyes would kind of roll in the back of their head. So they'd stop breathing, and you, and, uh, you couldn't do anything. <sighs> couldn't do uh. We took them to, like, doctors, and they didn't know what was going on, and they said they're just going to have to grow out of it. And so for a year, they cried, and every time they cried, they just curl. And then Riley, when he came out, he was so, uh, the, the, he was, his neck was so formed in the womb that his neck never actually came out straight. So when he came out, when my sons, I, I noticed this in their pictures when they were babies, Kellen would be like a, a normal baby with his neck like this, and Riley would always take pictures like this. Come to find out after we took x-rays and stuff that his muscles had grown and formed in that way because th there was so tight space that he, he formed his neck like that. And they said the only way you could do that and fix it is every night you have to stretch his neck out as a one-year-old. And so I'd hold my son. My, my wife would hold the baby at the ends of the bed, and I would hold his head, and I'd have to... Uh, stretch... I need scream. And um, if you're a parent, you, you know what it's like to hear your child scream from pain. It's different when you make that pain happen. And he doesn't. I remember he looked at me and he was kind of like, why, why, why are you hurting him? Why are you, why are you hurting me? And he, he, I had to do it. And then we were in, um, my pastor came to me one time and he was really kind he sat down with me and he said, hey, I think your children, there are three, they're behind on their development. They're, they're, have you noticed anything different? And I said, I don't know. I, I, I've never had kids. And I don't, I, he said, they're, they're behind. I think you might want to get them tested. And we took them, got them tested. And everything that they tested in were, were so off the charts negative. They said to us, your kids will never speak to you. You realize that? I never have a conversation with you, so you need to settle in your heart that things are not going to go the way that you thought, and that they will never talk the way that they should, and they will never look the way that they should, and they'll never have a personality that the way that they should, and they will never, ever, ever be who you thought they were going to be. I remember we went to a class and they said, hey, go look. We'll show it to you. They put him in a classroom, and they, they said, let me show you. We were behind a glass. And he said, you see, they don't look the way that they should. And, and, and to, to, to witness to witness the, the, the feeling of your kids being stuck in a situation and to watch them with their classmates, and they could not fix things. And they, he said, and I remember the, 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 the professional, he looked at me, and he said, see, we told you. He'll never be who you thought he'll be. He said that to me. He said, settle in your heart. He was, he was good intention. He said, you just got to settle in your heart. You're never going to have a conversation with your kids. What do you do in the dip? Habakkuk is wrestling. His name means wrestle, by the way. And he's wrestling, and he says, here's, here's what we do in the dip. Back in chapter 2, verse 1, 
He says, I will stand at my watch station myself on the ramparts, and I will look to see what he will say to me. The first thing you do when you're in the dip, if that's where you are, if that's where you're going to be, you need to write this down. You need to watch. You need to watch. You need to watch. I went hunting one time, and uh, uh, I don't hunt. And some of you are like, yeah, we know. Uh, but I don't hunt. And I, the only hunting I do is um, where it's like a guided hunt, and it's mostly eating. And then you have one time where you get to shoot a deer. That's it. That's why I, I hunt. And so um, I went with a guide. And, and I, the reason I don't like hunting, can I just give you a side note? The reason I don't like hunting, it's like everything that I don't like to do in the world. You have to wake up really, really early. I hate that. You, you got to be cold. Like, it's in the cold. That's, the hunting season is in the cold. That's terrible. You have to be alone. I hate being alone. And then you can't talk. You have to be really, really quiet. That's the worst of four things you want. That's hell to me. So why am I going... I'm going to pay you to go for me to have a terrible time. So I said yes. Why? I don't know. I walked out there. I got out there. We get in the tree stand. And that's the other thing. You got to climb up into a tree stand. And now you're in the dark. I don't like the dark. I'm afraid of the dark, y'all. So I'm in the dark. And so I'm like, what's going on? And the guide, I go, all right, are you all ready? I'm like, ready to shoot something. Let's go. Give me the gun. Where's it at? Let's do it. And he goes, he goes, no, that's not how it works. I said, well, it's dark right now. I want to do something. He goes, no, no, no. In the dark, we watch. I was like, what? can't see anything. It's dark. It's black. It's pitch black. I can't see nothing. How are we going to watch? He goes, no, no, no. We watch. You can tell this guy's probably been in the woods a little too long. That's all he kept saying to me. <laughs> no, we watch. I'm like, can you use full sentences? What's going on? I don't understand. And he goes, no, it's, it's in the dark. We watch. I go, watch what? And he goes, shh. You know, I'm like, <laughs> get me out of this. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, we watch with our ears, and we, and we watch with our nose, and, and then eventually, we can watch with our eyes. It's crazy, right? So I was like, oh, he, go, he goes, because listen, we're going to have to listen, and we're going to keep our eyes, because like you can hear the deer walking, and then you can smell them, because they're stinky, because you can smell them. You can even sense it. I know it sounds weird, okay? So if you've never been hunting, it sounds weird. You can sense. Have you ever, you, maybe it's not as weird because when you, have you ever been in the dark and then you can kind of feel when someone else is in there with you? You don't know, but you can just feel it. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? And he goes, you can feel it. You could just, you could feel it. He goes, and then eventually, if you just hang on, you'll see it with your eyes. And I was thinking, and he goes, he said, in the dark, we watch. As followers of Christ, in the dark, we watch. We watch. We, God, what are you doing? Mm, this don't feel right. This don't, mm-mm. It's not the Christianity I signed up for. Where's the blessed and highly favored one? I like that channel. This is not the channel I signed up for. I, I don't like this. I don't feel right. I know you to be good. But this isn't good. Mm, mm. This doesn't. Mm, mm. No, I don't want. No, I'm out. I'm out. And that thing that wants you to get out 
what, what, what you got, you got to wrestle with it a little bit and you got to be like, okay, I'm going to hang on. Okay. I know, I know who you are, God. I'm not in, pretending like it's not here because this is terrible and I'm walking through some stuff and you're going to have to walk me through this God. You better show up right now. And so you got to like get in this watch mode where you're like listening for God and you're feeling for God and you're sensing for God and you can't see him, right? Cause you, what you believe is not what's happening in front of you, but you got to wrestle with him and you got to watch. Habakkuk is watching and he's wrestling. You got to watch because watching leads you then to the second step, which is writing. So this is what we're not good at. Sometimes God will speak to you, but you don't write it down. And what's funny about humans is we forget. Like we, we, we. Somebody came up to me the other day. They're like, Pastor, your sermon last week was amazing. And they gave me like the points. And I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. That sounds amazing. I got to go back and watch my sermon. Like I forgot my own message. So I can never get mad at you for not remembering my points because I forget my points the moment I pray them. I preach them. And so I'm like, thinking about it, I'm like, God, when you speak to us, maybe it's not that God doesn't speak to us. Maybe it's that you forgot what he said. And in the dark, that's very disoriented. When you're in the dip, it's very disorienting down here. Like when you're in the valley of the shadow, you, you remember what he said? The Though I walk through the valley of the, sh- the shadow of death. That's dark, y'all. And when you're in the dark, you're disoriented. And you well, up is down and left is right. And you don't know what's going on. So you got to watch so you can write. So when he speaks to you, you remind yourself. You, why you write it down so you go back to it again? I have a, my wife will tell you, I have a, um, in our, 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 our bathroom on our mirror, I have post-it notes of just, crazy things God has wrote, uh, spoke to me. Scriptures and thoughts. And I'll leave them up there to remind me of the, of the, of the seasons of the dip. And what he said to me. True intimacy with God is not found on your mountaintops. It's found in the shadow in the valley. So what do you do down here? I can hear him really good here. I don't hear him so much up here. Anybody else? Like when I got money in my bank account, I got all the friends that I need, and my mind is in the right place. I don't hear God well there. You know where I really hear him? Valley of the shadow of death. So I don't abandon him, and I don't pretend like I'm here. I'm present here, wrestling. I'm watching, and I'm writing to lead us to the last one, and I'm done. You all go to Denny's. I hop, get that triple stack that I can never, I never order the pancakes at I hop I want to. I used to be 325 pounds, so there's like a really unhealthy eater inside of me that I never let eat, and I just, I really want to do that. I just want to, I just, so please, somebody eat three pancakes today for me, and um, leads you to the last one is, you watch, you write, you wait, and you wait. First two are pretty active. I like those. You do something. You're listening. I'm going to listen, God. I'm going to search for you. I'm going to write something down. But the last one, I don't, I, don't, I don't jive with the last one. Wait? I'm never. I'm not good at waiting. Humans aren't good at waiting. We are not good at waiting. Anybody else? Can I get a gospel amen? Amen. amen. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. And like nothing in society is making us better at waiting. 
like even the mobile app ordering right now, like right? Like I mobile order everything I absolutely can. You want to know why? Because I don't want to wait in no line. I've never been to a restaurant where they said the wait is 25 minutes. I'm like, you know what? Can I wait a little longer? Take, make it an hour. Make it an hour. I'm good with it. You've never done, has anybody ever done that? No. We walk up and we go, here's 20. Can you make it five minutes? Where's the seat now? That seat's open. I'm just going to sit over there. Just tell me, can I go sit over there? I'm going to sit over there. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need you. I'm good. I'm good. We, we, nobody, nobody wants to wait. But waiting is a season, and waiting has power because waiting ultimately positions yourself into a position that fasting does uh, when it comes to food. It takes all the power off of you. Says, God, you're going to have to show up. I don't understand. I'm wrestling, but I'm going to wait for the appointed time. Even though I want to get involved. Anybody wait like that a little bit? Like, you don't know what to do with your hands? You start to pace a little bit? Just don't do anything. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. We always want to hurry. We want to hurry the hand of God. Especially here. I wonder if that's why Paul said, or not Paul, James in this first chapter of his book, he said, consider it joy. Dear brothers and sisters, when you go through various trials, consider it joy. Consider it joy. James, what are you talking about? When you face various trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith the testing, when you wrestle, the testing of your faith produces perseverance so that you may be perfect, mature, come on, lacking nothing. Maybe that's what James was talking about. Maybe James knew that in your dip moments, when you have that crisis of belief, because it's going to happen, but it hasn't already, that the only way out of this, for real, because the problem with coming back here is that you're still back here. There's no growth. The problem with pretending like you're right here is that you're not really here. You're actually here. And you get stuck in the cycle of the children of Israel where it used to take maybe a 10-day trip, turns into a 40-year journey. And you're like, God, why are you having me here? And he's saying, I'm not having you here. You just got to learn to consider it joy and rest with me a little bit. Don't try to hide. Just, just come on, come rest with me. I guarantee you God would rather you come up and yell at him every day than pretend like he ain't there. So just come on and bring all your doubts to God and all your issues and all your troubles and all your trials. I'm telling you that not because I figured it out. I'm telling you that because we're all here. We're all here. And my life has been through multiple dips. I mean, this is one after the other, after the other, after the other. But one thing I've noticed is that when you get through it, 
Inevitably, what happens? Another one will come. But what happened here is you learn something. How to deal with the next one that was that was coming. I was sitting out in, uh, in my car. I was driving with my twins. And uh, my son, Riley, he, uh, he said, hey, Dad. I said, what's up, buddy? He said, He said, you think I'm going to do good today in football? And I don't know why I thought this, but I thought back to that day when I was in that room with that uh, professional. And he said, you'll never have a conversation with your son. He said, you'll never be able talk with him about how he feels what he thinks he'll never be able to relate to his friends and uh, yesterday he got a touchdown in this flag football and and now he talks too much honestly (laughs) I don't know what dip you're going through I don't know what struggle you're going through. I'm going through a lot of them. I just know that Habakkuk teaches us to wrestle. Don't you give up? Don't you let go? If you prayed a prayer recently and God didn't answer it, don't you let go? Don't you dare give up. If something's happened to you in your life, don't walk away. Don't pretend like everything's okay. Take them to God. And I, I, I believe it. In some parts of my life, I'm up here. In some parts, I'm still here, guys. I'm still wrestling. Will you wrestle with me? Well, let's wrestle together, okay? And I, I think if, if Habakkuk could do it, I think, I think we could do it. And I think some of the early church disciples knew it. That you're going to run into a dip. Keep wrestling.